Chapter forty two of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anthony Gerges. Chapter forty two of Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. We sail for the West Indies. A volunteer for the ship refused and sent on shore again for reasons which the chapter will satisfactorily explain to the reader. We were very glad when the master attendant came on board to take us into the sound, and still more glad to perceive that the brig, which had just been launched before O'Brien was appointed to her, appeared to sail very fast as she ran out. So approved after we went to sea, she sailed wonderfully well beating every vessel that she met and overhauling in a very short time everything that we chased turning to windward like magic and tracking in a moment three days after we anchored in the sound the ship's company were paid and our sailing orders came down to proceed with dispatches by next evening's post to the island of jamaica we started with a fair wind and were soon clear of the channel our whole time was now occupied in training our new ship's company at the guns and teaching them to pull together and by the time that we had run down the trades we were in a very fair state of discipline the first lieutenant was rather an odd character his brother was a sporting man of large property and he had contracted from his example a great partiality for such pursuits he knew the winning horses of the derby and the oaks for twenty years back was an adept at all athletic exercises a capital shot and had his pointer on board in other respects he was a great dandy in person always wore gloves even on service very gentlemanlike and handsome and not a very bad sailor that is he knew enough to carry on his duty very credibly and evidently now that he was the first lieutenant and obliged to work learnt more of his duty every day i never met a more pleasant messmate or a more honourable young man a brig is only allowed two lieutenants the master was a rough kind-hearted intelligent young man always in good humour the sergeant and purser completed our mess they were men of no character at all except perhaps that the sergeant was too much of a courtier and the pursuer of too much of a skinflint but pursuers are generally speaking more sinned against than sinning but i have been led away while talking of the brig and the officers and had almost forgotten to narrate a circumstance which occurred two days before we sailed i was with o'brien in the cabin when mr osblandestone the first lieutenant came in and reported that the boy had come on board to volunteer for the ship what sort of lad is he said o'brien a very nice lad very slight sir replied the first lieutenant we have two vacancies well see what you make of him and if you think he will do you may put him on the books i have tried him sir he says that he has been a very short time at sea i made him mount the main rigging but he did not like it much well do as you please osbaldistone replied o'brien and the first lieutenant quitted the cabin in about a quarter of an hour he returned if you please sir said he laughing i sent the boy down to the surgeon to be examined and he refused to strip the surgeon says that he thinks she is a woman I have had her up to the quarter-deck, and she refused to answer any questions, and requires to speak with you. With me, said O'Brien with surprise. Oh, one of the men's wives, I suppose, trying to steal a march upon us. We'll send her down here as Baldestone, and I'll prove to her that the moral impossibility of her sailing in His Majesty's brig rattlesnake. In a few minutes, the first lieutenant sent her down to the cabin door, and I was about to retire as she entered, but O'Brien stopped me stay peter my reputation will be at stake if i'm left all alone said he laughing 
the sentry opened the door and whether a boy or girl a more interesting face i never beheld but the hair was cut close like a boy's and i could not tell whether the surgeon's suspicions were correct you wish to speak holy st patrick cried o'brien looking earnestly at her features and o'brien covered his face and bent over the table exclaiming my god my god in the meantime the colour of the young person fled from her countenance and then rushed into it again alternatively leaving it pale and suffused with blushes i perceived trembling over the frame the knees shook and locked together and i had not hastened she for a female it was would have fallen on the deck i perceived that she had fainted i therefore laid her down on the deck and hastened to obtain some water o'brien ran up and went to her my poor girl my poor girl said he sorrowfully oh peter this is all your fault all my fault how could she have come here by all the saints who pray for us dearly as i prize them i would give up my ship and my commission that this could be undone as o'brien hung over her the tears from his eyes fell upon her face while i bathed it with water i had brought from the dressing-room i knew who it must be although i had never seen her it was the girl whom o'brien had professed love to worm out of the secret of the exchange of my uncle's child and as i beheld the scene i could not help saying to myself who now will assert this evil that may be done that good may come the poor girl showed symptoms of recovering and o'brien waved his hand to me saying leave us peter and see that no one comes in i remained nearly an hour at the cabin door by the sentry and prevented many from entering when o'brien opened the door and requested me to order his gig to be manned and then come in the poor girl had evidently been weeping bitterly and o'brien was much affected all is arranged peter you must go on shore with her and not leave her till you see her safe off by the night coach do me that favour peter you ought indeed continued he in a low voice for you have been partly the occasion of this i shook o'brien's hand and made no answer the boat was reported ready and the girl followed me with a firm step i pulled on shore saw her safe in the coach without asking her any question and then returned on board come on board sir said i entering the cabin with my hat in my hand and reporting myself according to the regulations of the service thank you replied o'brien shut the door peter tell me how did she behave what did she say she never spoke and i never asked her a question she seemed to be willing to do as you had arranged sit down peter i never felt more unhappy or disgusted with myself in all my life i feel as i could never be happy again a sailor's life mixes him up with the worst part of the female sex and we do not know the real value of the better i little thought when i was talking nonsense to the poor girl that i was breaking one of the kindest hearts in the world and sacrificing the happiness of one who would lay down her existence for me peter since you have been gone it's twenty times that i've looked in the glass just to see whether i don't look like a villain but by the blood of st patrick i thought woman's love was just like our own and that a three months's cruise would set all to rights again i thought she had gone over to france so did i but now she has told me all about it father o'toole and her mother brought her down to the coast near here to embark in a smuggling boat for dieppe when the boat pulled in shore in the night to take them in the mother and the rascally priest got in but she felt as if it were leaving the whole world to leave the country i was in and she held back the officers came down one or two pistols were fired the boat shoved off without her and she with their luggage was left on the beach 
she went back to the next town with the officers where she told the truth of the story and they let her go in father o'toole's luggage she found letters which she read and found out that she and her mother were to have been placed in a convent at dieppe and as the convent was named in the letters which she says are important but i have not had courage to read them yet she went to the people from whose house they had embarked requesting them to forward the luggage and a letter to her mother sending everything but the letters which she reserved for me she was since received a letter from her mother telling her that she is safe and well in the convent and begging her to come over to her as soon as possible the mother took the vows a week after she arrived there so we know where to find her peter and where is this poor girl going to stay now o'brien well that's the worst part of it it appears to me that she hoped not to be found out till after we sailed and then to have as she said poor thing to have laid at my feet and watched over me in the storms but i pointed out to her that it was not permitted and could not be and that i would not be allowed to marry her oh peter this is a very sad business continued o'brien passing his hand across his eyes well but o'brien what is to become of the poor girl she is going to be home with my father and mother hoping one day that i shall come back and marry her i have written to father mcgrath to see what he can do have you not undeceived her father mcgrath must do that i could not it would have been the death of her it would have stabbed her to the heart and it's not for me to give that blow i'd sooner have died sooner have married her than have done it peter perhaps when i'm far away she'll bear it better father mcgrath will manage it o'brien i don't like that father mcgrath well peter you may be right i don't exactly like all he says myself but what is a man to do either he is a catholic and believes as a catholic or he is not one will i abandon my religion now that it is persecuted never peter i hope not without i find much better at all events still i do not like to feel that this advice of my confessor is at variance with my own conscience father mcgrath is a worldly man but not only provokes that he is wrong not that our religion is and i don't mind speaking to you on this subject no one knows that i am a catholic except yourself and at the admiralty they never asked me to take that oath which i never would have taken although father mcgrath says i may take any oath i please with what he calls heretics and he will grant me absolution peter my dear fellow say no more about it i did not but i may as well end the history of poor ella flangen at once as she will not appear again about three months afterwards we received a letter from father mcgrath stating that the girl had arrived safe and had been a great comfort to o'brien's father and mother who wished her to remain with them altogether that father mcgrath had told her that when a man took his commission as captain it was all the same as going into a monastery as a monk for he never could marry the poor girl believed him and thinking that o'brien was lost to her forever with the advice of father mcgrath had entered as a nun in one of the religious houses in ireland that as she said she might pray for him night and day many years afterwards we heard of her she was well and not unhappy but o'brien never forgot his behaviour to this poor girl it was a source of continual regret and i believe until the vast day of his existence his heart smote him for his inconsiderate conduct towards her 
but i must leave this distressing topic and return to the rattlesnake which had now arrived at the west indies and joined the admiral at jamaica End of chapter 42